Welcome to the Nerds Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, Mr. Martin Theobald. Chilling on a beanbag. And politically correct, Terry. Um, what was it you said before? You were going go- to Google hipster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like those people that stand up and work. I'm, I'm taking that approach these days. Oh. I'm more productive doing this. Well, the, the, <clears throat> those maggots. <laughs> <laughs> In reference... I'm sure to <laughs> to other more controversial topics. Um, at which point, I still would like, I would like to now say press home the fact that last week um, I used a certain word that I wouldn't want to repeat, and I apologise if it offended anybody. Um, I hope you know from listening by now that that's not a sort of person I am to sort of say words indiscriminately and just upset people, especially you wonderful guys. Um, what the? I have no idea what that Terry's is. Terry's holding. I can't read it from him. My eyes I can't aren't either. Good. But yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, look. I just want to move on. But look, I I wasn't going to ignore it and say nothing. But at the same time, I'm not going to dwell on it. It's it's. It, but just to, just to point out that in no way does this mean that I'm taking back any of what I said about Tony Bellier. I was happy he got sparked. <laughs> it might have been a bit of a cringy. Um, oh, for God's sake, Terry. <laughs> I think it's a group effort that we do as a podcast and none of us on reflection uh, should have allowed that to go out or to happen but so we apologise the whole but let's move on let's we move on and for the record I think because because I was told by one of the listeners that we, we did apologise at the time oh okay oh yeah you did actually I think <clears> you did yeah we're alright yeah so I just thought I'd let you, you apologise but yeah I knew. <laughs> yeah. but it's not a point it's um, a fuck up on our behalf yeah. it won't Look, happen again simple fact of the matter is this right? we hold ourselves to insanely high standards because if you look at how the listenership has gone up in the two and a half years that we've been at three it's always been down to the fact that we do our best to give you guys the best product. So when we feel we've dropped below our own standards, we just feel like shit anyway. So I think that's, that's probably, you know, the thing. So on with the show, people. We're back. And I also want to say farewell to our one and only canine podcaster. Yeah, man. Harvey, bless his cotton <laughs> socks. Um, we had to say goodbye to Harvey this week. Enough said, but... It was yeah. mad because last week there was a proper Terry Harvey loving as well. He loved you, mate. I don't like you. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, wow. You know, it, I just needed one more week. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> the, t- 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 I think what Harvey appreciated most was you, the fact that no matter how terrible you were at it, you still tried to be Caesar Milan. <laughs> With the t- t- <laughs> It was horrendous. Oh, but, oh, it all comes out now, doesn't it? <laughs> but it was, but yeah. Anyway, but stop trying you. to pull at the heartstrings after you've apologised for using your horrible words. <laughs> <laughs> but how? But how have Mr. Brains got away with what they sell for so long? Then it's a fair <laughs> point. 
I don't know. I don't know. Because honestly, like, hey, they sponsored wet the Welsh rugby team for a while. So you're going into Sainsbury's and you're buying for Mr. Brain's that, faggots. Wasn't that a... Uh, oh. No, no, but... Wasn't uh, that a beer? No. Isn't <laughs> Brain's a beer? Mr. Um, Brains is the food product. Yeah. Brains is the beer. Look, Mr. Brains faggots. Isn't that a four who's... pack, 439 grams, only one pound, say 40p. Oh, like, how, how are they still allowed to do this? Fucking standards. <laughs> oh, dear. His, right. His classic pork faggot recipe and unique West Country sauce soon became a firm family <laughs> favourite across the land. Today, the same passion and love goes into creating each hearty... How did this get past compliance? <laughs> I think they've been around for quite a while, to be fair, before it became regular par- dis- like derogatory parlance. Anyway, can we please move on? Um, we've tried. We're trying, yeah. Uh, right, a question special this week where we're just going to... It's going to be a slightly shorter pod than usual. We didn't, ask, we didn't ask for questions, but people fired questions in and we thought rather than write an agenda, we'll just build it around that. Yeah. Yeah, and when I say shorter than usual, there is no consistency of our length, so I suppose you get what you get, yeah. I guess, whatever. We've got to lower the average after <laughs> that, like that literally, four hours. That literally was your Tinder profile, wasn't it? <laughs> Don't after... be afraid to lower your average. <laughs> That's my bio. And my length has no consistency. <laughs> Warm, cold, it's always different. Um, right, anyone had any interesting weekends? I'm not going to mine, but... No, I missed going to your call last night. It was a decent show, which we're going to touch on later. But uh, I was doing family stuff, and I got a couple of weekends down there in a row. So, Tell. yeah, family. Ah, so just went out with a couple of friends over the weekend. Um, Friday, too much alcohol was consumed. I said I was trying to be a better person. I failed. So <laughs> apologies for that. But you realise, you know what? It's mad when you go out. I think you get past a certain age, and you're like, fucking up. I was chasing all the women in here 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I'm like, look at the horse shit that we have to deal with. Like, just just fucking lumps of lard in fucking synthetic fabric dresses and shit running around wow. asking you to buy them drinks. Like, the fuck? Wow. And then you got these numpties in their Stone <laughs> Island. So much anger. And they're, and, and they're there happily buying They all say no. Is that the problem? <laughs> Never been a problem. I'm like Bill Cosby. Oh, what? <laughs> Oh, no, I'm not going down that road. Uh, no, but it was, it's just, you, you look at that and you go, no wonder these kids nowadays don't go out, man. Like, it's just, oh, it's just, it's just sucks. I was at the city centre yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, What were you doing? Anything. I don't no, care if you're buying a cup of lights coffee. Getting turned on. Good, right. New part of Milton Keynes City Centre. New part's been there 15 years. Yeah, um, not more. And I saw this fight almost between these two people, proper, like, they looked like fucking scagheads. They were a mess. But, like, this is a serious note, actually. Like, I'm not really going anywhere with this, other than to say, like, people, stop being cunts. Like, (laughs) no, there were these two people that, I'm there with my family, and there's other families, because there's Christmas light turn on. And then we walk around, there's a younger lad and an older lad, I'm guessing 18 and 40. And they start mouthing off at one another. No idea what the relationship is. And then they, like, the younger lad starts bouncing around like a frog, going, ah, oh, you're a tramp, brother, you're a tramp. And then they run off. The older guy chases him. And then this other young lad chases after them. And then the birds there going, fucking help, someone's going to get stabbed. And I'm like, 
in this in this day and age in this culture where you hear about all this nice I'm there with my family and I'm just on alert like I'll fucking punch one of you little pricks and I'm not bothered which one but I like, don't come near my family I don't know how it ended. I didn't see it. But yeah, just like for all those people that carry a knife and what have you, don't because there are families out there that don't want to see your shit go down. Yeah, we don't care about you. We just don't, even if you get stabbed, it's not you. I don't want to see my kids, I want my kids to see Genuinely, that. I hope those two people went and found a dark corner and stabbed each other and are fucking dead right now so they don't do it another day. God. No, I mean that as well because they'll only do it another day and they're little fucking pricks. And I'm there with my family, and I thought you could fuck. Like I apologised last week. It's Andy's turn. <laughs> no, I'm not taking that back. I hope they both fucking like you know when Cello Render and the other geezer punched each other in prize. Was it yeah. a prize fight? Fight? And they both got knocked down. I want that for the two of them. Can't they just have got to the underpass, gone to stab each other, and then gone? What are we doing? Drop no, because knives. we'll do it tomorrow. And like like, like beats it. Like- and just gone. <laughs> Where it's just a big ensemble dancing. <laughs> and, they, nah. and they just had, look, why are we going to stab each other? Let's just have a dance off. Nah, <laughs> they'll only do it tomorrow to someone else. <laughs> Fuck them. Um, well, thanks, guys. You've, you've put, you've paled last week into insignificance. Great. Thank yeah, you. No. Nah, Let's move on. No, nah, honestly, like, as men, we need to make a conscious effort, right? Oh, here we go. Stop, more. stop chasing these chicks that can't count calories. What? Fuck what? it. What? Fuck it. Fuck it. Because, do you know what? What about... No, 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 no. I'll tell you what triggered this. I was was on the train on Friday and I was heading up to... I was was heading up to see my mate and I was talking to this lady because she was was swiping on Tinder. And now now that I don't use it anymore, I just share my experiences about it. And she was saying she hasn't had a serious relationship for seven years. And she doesn't understand why. And I just told her, listen... Oh no! Multiple guys are fucking the same chick now. <laughs> we just—it's just a flight to quality now. You sooner get twenty-five percent of an attractive chick <laughs> than a hundred percent of like what, that shit that's walking around Argos with a push chair and shit like that. <laughs> just oh, being real, man. Every, everyone's got to up their game. As men, we need to up our standards as how we treat women, oh. and as women, come on, man, count the calories. Let's just start there. Simple, short, sharp. Easy win there. Low-hanging fruit. Pardon the pun. It wasn't entirely misogynistic. You did mention men have got to treat women better. That's a good start. That's paramount, though. Because the better you treat women, the greater the incentive is for them to be better. Stop virtuous cycle. Stop taking them for dinner. I don't. Oh, God. This is such a painful podcast. (laughs) Already. Oh, my God. Right. Should we start with a question? Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. How do you think we felt last week on your rant? (laughs) How do you think I felt? Do you know what? I got home at Please. 12.15 last Sunday and I was just in tears. I was like, he said, why is Andy doing this? <laughs> God's sake. Right. I switch on, yeah. Mo Hassan, 19, asks, where does Billy Joe Saunders go from here? How does he get himself back to the top? Oh, God, I'm not I'm is... not quite sure what the question was in reference to, if I'm honest. I don't know if he meant Frankie Gavin and I never went back and clarified. So I don't know what Billy Joe Saunders has been up to. Maybe I've missed something. Or maybe it was he, just generally, where does like, Billy Joe right, go? He's been yeah. stripped now. Yep. He's been stripped. Uh, or did he hand it in? I'm not sure which. I think he vacated. Yeah, I think he handed it in. Under the threat of um, being stripped. Yeah, I think. So where does he go? I don't know. It's a good question, actually, because we don't normally talk about things out of season, do we? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what... He talked the other day on Twitter about, do you want to see me back in December? And loads of people going, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No. Well, not really, because what are you going to do? Like, who are you going to announce between now and December? TBC. Which, he, there's the Warrington Frampton card on the 22nd, isn't there? Which so presumably is a, alluding to being on that. But you're not going to find a meaningful opponent between now and then. We've wasted so much of our Billy Joe Saunders equity in watching him fight guys in Glaswegian leisure centers, f- trying to fight fucking New York mobsters and all this sort of stuff that's not relevant to where his talent is, right? So Billy Joe can only really come back in big fights. So then you look and you go, would he fight Golovkin? Neither of them really has a belt. Does it matter? No. Would he fight Canelo? I don't see that happening for a while. I think Hearn will start pushing Jacobs in that direction. And then another one of his guys will follow. And then so you keep going through that list and you go, well, hold on, Billy Joe's, he's painted himself into a corner because when he had the belt, he was relevant. Yes. Once he lost that belt, he became too high risk and too low reward. So if you can swerve Billy Joe, you'll swerve him. So the only way he's going to get a big fight is by becoming mandatory, which means we all have to sit there and watch him fight God knows who. And probably some blowing up Jason Wellborn or going back through the British ranks again. Yeah, no one's picking Billy Joe as a voluntary. It's hard to see Frank Warren opening the purse to pay for a, a champion to come over. So I don't. He'll have to go down the mandatory route. I'm Has sure. Has he screwed his whole career over? Or he's still got ten years left. So it's hard to say he screwed it all. It's but he certainly screwed this phase of his career over. But has uh, anyone out there? Maybe I'm in the wrong boat. I don't know. Does anyone out there really care about Billy Joe Saunders? I, I, I mean, I like the fact that he's a decent boxer and I would like to have seen him in bigger fights. I, but, but I, would, he, have, no, no, I would have is loved he a decent these boxer. Things. Here's my question. I know we always talk about the skills and stuff when we talk about Lemieux, but generally when, when Lemieux moves up to world level, he gets outclassed. It's not unusual. So I go back to the question. I go, what's Billy Joe really done? He needed a Golovkin win. Or a Canelo win. To then say, yeah, all that stuff I do, I do it at the highest level. And we haven't seen that from him yet. And that's why I've lost the interest. Like, I had the interest when he's going up. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And I'm I'm anticipating that big fight. And then it all falls apart. And now what am I waiting for? I don't really know. Like, I've lost the interest that I kind of well, yeah. semi-had. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's, what are you sort of hoping for? Because it doesn't... He's, 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 he's an easy person to dislike. That's the thing as well. There's nothing like really endearing. There's no, nothing even endearing about him, is there? Like, so, uh, so it's hard to get behind him from an emotional perspective. I think the only people, the people that will love Billy Joe Saunders are people that subscribe to the Lad Bible. Do you know what I mean? That level of humour of like, yeah. hey, it's really funny watching him you know, get a homeless person to slap someone and then it'll yeah. go viral. That, do you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to get That's behind That's what I that. mean. It's so, it's re- so in that respect, it's hard to, to sort of maintain a warmth for him in spite of, of problems. And you think, well, that's what he's going to rely on, presumably, at this stage yeah. with, with no belt. But, but, but where does that support get him? He can't sell out anywhere. So Billy Joe's problem is commercially, he's not viable on his own. So he always needs a dance partner to make it viable. His his big chance to show that he could carry a show was Willie Monroe Jr. You know, the only one I think that would probably help him sell a show out now is Eubank. That's the only fighter I can think that Billy Joe would be able to tap into the interest for. 
I don't even think like a De Gale because De Gale doesn't elicit emotional response from people particularly. You look back at when him and Lee Selby headlined the show at the Copper Box, was it? It was half full. Like Eubank, love him, hate him, indifferent, whatever it is. He he seems to garner an interest, and maybe that's died off a bit after the the Groves loss. I don't know, but that seems to me if you can reignite that rivalry, that's his his route back for me. But I don't. You know, I think. Eubanks probably at that point now is like I'm beyond Billy Joe Saunders. What is there for me in fighting Billy Joe Saunders? Nothing. Whereas if he does fight DeGale, which is expected to happen early next year, and he beats him, then he'll probably make the right noises for a Canelo or a Golovkin and say, Well, look, at 160, do you really think these guys can hurt me? Probably not, because he he was tiny at 168. He was tiny. So yeah. So I can understand him losing to some of those guys at 168, but I think at 160, he's a different beast, and I'd quite like to see him. Him against Canelo. For me, Eubank Jr. versus Canelo would be... That'd be huge. If they did it here, it'd be massive. If they did it in Mexico, it'd be massive. If they did it in America, it would be massive. Which is testament to Eubank. I know people say, oh, look at him. He's ruined his career. His dad's ruined his career. But he can guarantee himself seven figures every time he fights now because he's... He's relevant in a way that goes beyond boxing now. People just want to see him. Yeah, Billy Joe is not, for me, like... Even though I like I like watching him box, he's not like a Tyson Fury. When when they both went off the rails a little bit and I looked at Tyson Fury, I was gutted that I, won't, I potentially weren't going to see him in the ring again. Whereas with Billy Joe, it's like... Uh, kind of a, an indifferent shrug. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, boxing fan... Asks a massive question, but the nucleus of his question is, why was the Goodwin card not on, uh, not being streamed? And he then goes on to justify the reason why it should have been streamed is that surely taking place, taking taking place in York Hall, most of the ticket sales are taken up by the friends of the boxers anyway. So wasn't there a comparison drawn to the Steve Wood show as well? The, uh, is that VIP? Yeah. Um. VIP did stream their show and Goodwin didn't. And um, so regardless um, of the fact that surely with York Hall being a small venue, most ticket sales are mainly friends of fighters who would go regardless and not really general public. Therefore, financially, surely it could work. I can't help but think a Commonwealth title is one that's just too big for a non-TV card. So shout out to that card last night because Waddy Camacho versus Arfan Iqbal ended when Arfan fell out the ring. Uh, sixth round, seventh round, and Wadi Camacho won it on points. Wadi Camacho is a man who's been written off through his career. Um, so if you go back to what's the fight in Wales where he was accused of biting the fella? I can't remember the bloke's name, but that's going back a good four years now. Oh, no, um, it's, not, it's not Tommy McCarthy. Who's no it? Craig Kennedy? Craig Kennedy, that's it. Uh, you go back to the Stephen Simmons fight where he's ahead in the fight and then gets dropped. Um, all these things like when he left Peter Sims, he's had so many trainer changes. Waddy Camacho has been written off um, relentlessly, and I think he he's pigeonholed by certain people um, as being like Southern Area level. So he's got the record, I believe, for the most Southern Area title defenses. Um, and then last night he gets his opportunity against Arfan Iqbal, a man he's lost to before, and beats him for the Commonwealth title, which is a a serious belt. So I'm so pleased for Waddy. I know Waddy quite well. Um, picked up that Commonwealth title, which is great for him. 
And it also puts him in line. It was a British title eliminator, so he's in line, you know, further down there somewhere. Also, Michael Ramabalazzo, a guy who was heading towards, not journeyman, but I think it's probably Terry's uh, conception of a journeyman, which is a boxer who can box, but lives in the away corner, essentially. So doesn't always get the decisions, um, but he's got a kind of 50-50 record throughout his career. He's kind of, what is he now, about 33, Ramabalazzo, based up north. The lad can fight. Lost an unlucky fight to Josh Kennedy for the English, got beaten by Ash Lane for the Commonwealth. Then last night, fights Ryan Walker, young up-and-coming lad, beats him in a round. Michael Balazza, who's a man who was out on the road, um, is now the English champion. And so, you know, it's no secret I have uh, connections with Steve, but it's a testament to Steve's management skills. He's been able to take these two lads, one who's written off as finished 10 years ago, one who's um, been out on the road as a fighter and has now been able to draft these opportunities, two English title shots and a Commonwealth title shot. So I'm chuffed for those lads. They've done so well for their careers last night. Going back to the question. (laughs) Um, So why isn't it streamed? So I've spoken with Steve for hours on this. um, And the answer is always the same. Show me where the bottom line income is to streaming. And I will stream it. But there is none. Like So IFL do the MTK shows. Steve Wood at VIP does um, does the online stream. and has done for a few years. Which is great because Manchester, those shows up north, they showed the Tyrone Nurse fight last night. Great because I can't get up to Manchester typically to go and see a Tyrone Nurse fight. But if you want to stream it for free, crack on. I'll put it on my phone. I'll sit and watch it a bit. I've not paid for that. Nobody's sponsored that. They're not running any adverts over the top of the stream. YouTube aren't going to pay you for the 200 people that were watching it at the time. There is no income. So even if that means 10 people in Manchester that could have gone to the fight but knew it would be streamed, didn't bother buying tickets, as a promoter, you've lost 10 times 40 quid. That's 400 quid out of pocket. All of these lads are... Thank you very much. <laughs> it's my C in GCSE man. All of these lads are on ticket deals. All of them, pretty much, bar none, at a uh, small hall level. And so what you're doing is you're giving away their product for free yeah. and yet still asking them to go out and sell their product. Now, again, I go back to... It. I'm not saying it's widespread that people will say, no, I'm not going to come and watch you because, um, you know, it's being streamed. Because... Not everyone's going to do that. You will have some hardy supporters. And he, and he has a point in the sense that a lot of those seats will be taken up by friends and family. They will come there actively to support that. Absolutely, they not. will. But say five people, say 100 people out of the 1,200 at York Hall don't come because of that. As a promoter, you've lost four grand out of that. Those yeah. lads are incentivized to sell tickets. Like Steve's always said, if you can find me a way that someone pays for the streaming service and I can distribute that back out to the lads who have lost money out of the ticket sales, then yes, I will look at doing it. Yeah. Right. But so, otherwise, there is no income to it. So, so I'm losing, the lads are losing. So I, I genuinely think the, the Goodwin model is a creaking model. And the reason I say it's creaking is it's down to the principle of unmet demand, right? So Steve Goodwin shows are on a Saturday. We're all we're all adults with busy lives and commitments. That Saturday window where he has his fight, 
is gold dust to particularly as you get older, as you guys understand, you've got other things you need to yeah. do. Can you really get to your core to consume that product? Most of the time, no. So what you're then looking for is, you, so Steve, whoever, can do the maths in the head and go, if I sell a thousand here, there will probably two or three times that who, who might have considered coming. Is there a way that you can provide a means for them to consume the product? And I know Steve had the the season ticket in the old days of, you know, you buy a season ticket up front, you go to all the shows. It was £100, I think it was, for 12 months of shows. Yeah. Now, that wasn't <clears throat> a bad idea. I just think that was the wrong time for it. I think it's the, it's, it's the right concept. So you almost say, look, you guys are fans of Goodwin shows. I understand that, excuse me, you might have to take your lad a way to watch football. You might be involved in boxing yourself and be doing stuff on the amateur side so you can't watch the lad you trained five years ago box. But here you go. Here, 150 quid for the year or 40 quid for the quarter, 50 quid for the quarter. You can consume this Goodwin product. You can come in and watch or you can consume via this closed loop broadcast platform. It's possible how you do that, what the, the, there'll be some technology where you just literally ring fence it and you say, right, there or you just go. just a login <clears throat> of some sort. Because you, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily have to live stream it. I mean, I'm, I realise yes. that there is a... But you, if you had just a highlights package that was only accessible via a paywall that you had to go through... Or a live feed, which is essentially going, right, look, yeah, all these guys are giving you free content. That's great. It looks like horse shit. That's why it's free. Here's what we're giving you. We're giving you a premium small hall content you can consume it where you want because you can consume this by phone. You can consume this via tablet. You can come in and consume it via the show itself. But you'd have to change the model fundamentally then because your revenue stream now, because you're cannibalizing the ticket revenue. So now your fighters can't just be you know, ticket sellers. You're now going, I might have to you know, budget out what I can spend on each card and say to guys, look, this is how much money you'll get to fight this person. And you start to to run it as a franchise, essentially. It, it would mean literally rebooting the whole boxing model. And I don't know if this is the right time for it. Well, I mean... But it's where we are headed. Or on a more basic level, you could just... I mean, I, I don't even know if this would be financially viable, if I'm completely honest, but... It would be don't worry about that. A, yeah, a price, and you have a login that you can go into and view the highlights later on that are just yours. And now I realise that that leaves it open to someone just ripping it and sticking it on a on YouTube, but then that's that's everything, isn't it? No, like, no, no, not necessarily. Because if you look at Instagram, there are certain there's certain video content you can't strip because what happens is in the code, the file name will be there. So what 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 they actually do is they send you the file. So on some video platforms, they send you the file so your computer can. You know, that's why the buffering is. You build up the f an image of the file on your computer and you work with it. That's what it uses to rip. Whereas if you make an instantaneous call repeatedly to the server for more information, it's harder to build that picture up. So it actually becomes harder to to rip the video. So there's the, the, technological sort of barriers in place. There, there are ways to make it hard to share video content. Right, anyway, okay, right. It's, it's got like, so I, I bogged think, down. I think that's what the answer is, is that as, as it stands at present, there is no, unless you can find a sponsor to sponsor the shows or whatever, then it's just, it's not financially viable. It's not to say it won't ever be, it's not to say there won't yeah. ever be answers to it, but as it stands right now, I agree with the dude that 
most of those people that are in those seats will be friends and family. But, I mean, that's kind of how small hall boxing works. Yeah. And that's how it's always worked. And that's probably how it's going to work for the next five years until something does supersede it, as Terry's explained. some. That's one model. There are probably five potential models that, that people look at. I've had conversations with Steve about it before. There are certain platforms that offer to show it that come up with these spurious numbers of we'll get you 500,000 viewers or whatever. They're total bollocks. Um, but, you know, people say what they think people want to hear, don't they? Yeah, so. there, there aren't that many people that want to watch small hall boxing. This is a reality. A load of Russian bots bear in mind, bear in mind that VIP card was on last night. I had it on on my phone, and, th- and the MTK show was on from Brentwood as well. There were maybe like two hundred people watching it at one point. This is fucking free content being sent out, yeah. high level content as well, decent standard content yeah, for free. And you're talking like two hundred people watching it. Are you really telling me that ten thousand are going to watch it, and each of them's going to put in a pound each? I'm not. I'm not buying it. No, exactly, and and it, it, that's the challenge. Is what's the drop off for every additional pound? Wait, you I mean, if you, I, I realize it's not an ideal comparison, but if you look at, um, if you look at top level football and working down the ranks, how much live game action there is of League Two and League One football proportionally, it's insignificant compared to something like the Premier League because there's more interest exponentially in the higher level you know you sort of look at a decent matchroom card or a decent Frank Warren card and there'll be I don't know x x hundred thousand slash maybe even millions watching it dependent on how big it is that doesn't mean that a slightly lower card is going to get well. There's going to be at least a you know no. six hundred thousand people we can it, count it's on. It's not a linear relationship. And also, it's like a reverse exponential relationship. Yeah. Bear in mind this has been tried as well. So when Matchroom launched Fight Pass, if you remember, you love then, Fight Pass. <laughs> I, I so, don't remember it. I, the only thing I remember about it is you telling us on the pod how terrible it was. So it's still a thing. <laughs> so you still join the Fight Pass membership and you get access to pre-sale tickets for. £15 a year, £10 a year, whatever it is. But when that launched, you also used to get a free (laughs) T-shirt. Wicked. Um, (laughs) But the other thing was that Coldwell, Goodwin, and somebody else... Steve Wood? I don't think it was, but it might might have been. There were three small hall promoters, and the idea was that they would stream these small hall shows as part of your Fight Pass subscription, Mm. which is what we're talking about now. That's really good, yeah. Um, And so for £10, £15 a year, whatever... That's not a bad, yeah, really a bad setup. Yeah. And then they killed that off. And Steve, like, from what I understand, certain, like, they didn't always get enough notice of the shows that were going to be broadcast. And it was, I think it was probably done, understandably to an extent, at Eddie's behest rather than at the promoter's behest as to which shows would go on um, and what they're expecting out of it. So I don't think it necessarily worked for everybody in the relationship, and that's kind of where it died off. That was more of a logistical thing, those hands of things. Possibly. Um, So, yeah. But if you look at that, Eddie still leans a lot on guys like Steve Wood and Dave Caldwell in terms of who he signs and getting their guys onto his shows. Uh, so I think if you look in the Northwest, a lot of the guys Eddie puts on have had some relationship with Steve Wood or other. I want to mention Steve Wood, actually. I watched that um, Josh Warrington film, Fighting for a City. Did you go to the premiere? No, I couldn't make it down. I was meant to be going to the one in London um, and I got stuck in traffic on the way. 
but we were hoping to get Josh on this week, but he's had to go back up north for training. So when I put a tweet out the other day about a world champion, I'd meant to be going to see Josh on Tuesday, but he's had to go back up north for sparring. Uh, but I got a, a preview sent through, really cleverly done from Universal, a preview of the film. It's fantastic. It's really good. Like, really good. Um, very intimate film, as in you're like, it's almost like you're living with Josh. And it goes back to the Nagasaki fight when he was with Hearn. I think that's the first one on there. Through the transition to Warren, um, through to the Lee Selby fight. So it's basically like from a few years back through to now and the, the trials and tribulations of his relationship with these people. Plus, how it, was the wedding? How was the wedding scene? Well, yeah, it goes on. It shows you like his wedding um it takes you straight after the birth of his twins um shows you some of the stuff of him adapting to being a dad but also being a professional boxer and the struggles it's really like there's some quite raw footage in it but i really enjoyed it like so if you get a chance i think it's coming out uh late november if you get a chance fighting for a city go and see it and uh, genuinely it's an interesting watch and i warmed to josh warrington an awful lot out of that film um more so than i ever have before but Again, it's the thing, like, there's a relationship with Sean O'Hagan, his dad and trainer, and Steve Wood, his manager, and he's kept those two relationships from day one of being a professional, so you start to see an insight into that, and genuinely, if you get a chance, go and watch it, yeah, or get it on DVD or whatever the, the release schedule is. But one of the things I did want to touch on was this, you know, after what he won yesterday, I think people forget like, that guy's only been boxing as a pro for five years. Like, you know, we all imagine that he's had this lengthy career. But 10 years ago, I think he was getting put down by guys like Otto Valin and all those sorts of guys in the AMs. You know, picked himself up, wins the ABAs, and gets signed by Eddie Hearn in his wilderness years. Yes. In the years when Eddie was signing guys like Chris Evangelou and so forth. You know, and putting on those those cards that we're more used to. And yeah. I believe he got a pretty sweet deal out of that as well, from yeah. what I understand. It was a fair play to Waddy. He was, because remember, he was ABA champion, looked a bit like David Hay. What was he, 6'5"? Yeah. Box at cruiserweight. And they were even talking about maybe this guy could move up to heavyweight. So there was a big buzz about Waddy Kamachi. So I don't think he's been written off. I think what people were was disappointed with what they saw and what they got. Because... If you look at Wadi now, man, he still looks like if someone told you this man is British champion, like you'd believe it instantly because he looks like he should be. But he never delivered when the when the lights were on him. So I think probably you have just a process of becoming more mature. It seems now he's able to put those performances together a bit more, which is good for him. And hopefully out of this, do I want to see him in the British fights? Kind of, but I wouldn't mind seeing him go after someone we wouldn't expect him to go after. You know, maybe someone with a name, but not necessarily that devastating power. Well, can I ask you that? Can I just hijack what you're saying there with the question, which comes again from Boxing Fan? Uh, with Waddy again, Commonwealth champ in the thriving cruiserweight division, is it time we saw him back on TV with Isaac Chamberlain, Watkins, Billum Smith, etc.? Also, how much would that affect small hall boxing losing a quote-unquote name to a TV network? No, when you're not going to affect small hall boxing with it. I mean, Steve sends his fighters onto TV network fights whenever he can. It's not, it's not an issue to him to do so. Um, 
so yeah, it's in his it's in his interest and the fighters' interest to secure those TV fights. Who do you want to see him in with? I mean, Isaac Chamberlain was making a lot of noise before, wasn't he, about getting the fight? Um, I'd like to see him on Sky or Channel Five. There's no one really on BT for him to go with, but um, I'd like to see somebody. I don't know. Chamberlain's an obvious one, but I wouldn't mind seeing that rematch. But it requires Hearn to open the checkbook and get Waddy on there because there was talk when the Commonwealth title shot was open about getting like Tony Conquest and Peter Sims were making a lot of noise for it. Um, but someone like that and someone like Isaac Chamberlain, they're very unlikely to come and fight a York Hall off TV for off TV money on a ticket deal. Um, and so it relies upon Eddie Hearn opening the purse and saying, you know, here's the money, come and defend your title on my show against one of my fighters. Will we see that? Do you remember we said this ages ago? As much as Hearn talks about all these shows he puts on, I've always questioned whether he really has the cash flow to do all the stuff he says he does. If that makes sense. Got a billion, mate. Chill out. Mm? Got a billion, chill out. Because <laughs> if you look at it, you look at the fights that he sequences normally, and you're like, the money you have to set aside in escrow, just in escrow for a Joshua fight, if you're if you're the guy really backing him, that's probably five months worth of your revenue straight away, locked away to cover that fight. But you still have to put money away for fights that will follow in the subsequent months and fights that come up in the preceding months. So you're almost like, okay, so... How does Hearn put all of these cards on? And that's why that's where you start to worry with some of these guys at Wadi because it's not at the fringes, so at the lower TV end and top end small hall end, it's not as free moving as you'd imagine it would be. And you look at that and you go, why is that? And I, I just genuinely don't think there's enough money in the matchroom coffers to justify a lot of this, which is a shame because I've heard some of the numbers that Hearn offers fighters you know, in other regions to step in and fight on his shows. And it's not great money considering they're, they're agreed. Considering how often <clears throat> they tell you British boxing is booming. I've got a very recent example. I can't talk about it on here, but again, the, <laughs> you, sound like you, Steve, you sound like Steve Bunce now. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. Um, but the money or the offer was nothing like you think it would be. So look, Another fight in that show that happened was a young lad called Mo Garib. Mo's a gr- good kid from Northwest London, like boxing since he was a kid. I think if I've got the sequence right, it was Dale Youth, All Stars, Finchley, Islington, Pro. That's a pretty good lineup. Like there are photos of Mo with George Groves knocking about in the same gym. So that tells you how long he's been boxing for. So yesterday he fights a guy, I was going to say Dave Evans. Was Craig it Dave? Evans. Craig Evans. And gets put down twice, loses 38-36. And on one level that saddened me because Mo, like, Mo's a great kid, 90-odd amateur bouts. I've seen him grow in the sport and I really like him as a person. But some people don't listen in boxing. And this is going to touch on a few issues. And if you're a boxer and you listen to this, this is free advice, right? <laughs> From the fountain. Listen. See, Mo Mo wouldn't listen to people who have seen shit happen numerous times. So he has his debut and he tries to do the Prince Nassim thing of low hands, make the guy miss, make him look stupid. 
And you're like, all right, on a debut, you make a statement. But people kept telling him, you need to get back to boxing, right? These guys are pretty serious people. Like, pro- Look, and I'll, I hope if this time we'll discuss it later, but the, the difference between an amateur and a pro, like, it's when you see them in the ring together, you go, bloody hell, that's the difference. And it was almost like Mo thought this was just an extension of his amateur career. So I didn't see everything yesterday, but I saw enough video clips to go. The will and the desire there, the fighting spirit is there, but the inability to listen holds him back. The inability to understand that you need a good trainer to get you over the line. And I'm not saying Daly's not a good trainer, but he strikes me as a guy who's good at training amateurs. And he's hoping that that ability to train amateurs will translate into the pros. It was Dean Evans, not Craig Evans. Sorry. Ah, okay. So when you're in that position and you're a young guy like Mo and you're probably in the wrong camp for the talent you have, you've got to make a decision quickly of where do I go in order to win? Do I think he's in the right place to win? Don't know. But they haven't been able to make the improvements he needs to make in order to adjust to the pros. And I worry about him because he got dropped in one of them. And the way that his leg shot out involuntarily, it was like watching a... What was the heavyweight guy who got dropped by Sokolovsky? Ah, ah, boxed out Miguel's. AJ Carter. It reminded me of AJ Carter. I was about to say that, actually, yeah. Yeah. And oh, the Dove Box show. Yeah. And yeah, so so yeah. it worries me when I see that because, you know, I want everyone to have a long and healthy life. So, look, as a boxer, you really need to look at where you're training, who you're training with, who you're being trained by. And you need to make sure that they can give you the tools to survive in the pros because it's soul destroying when you're losing that early in your career in a fight that if there were head guards and 12 ounce gloves, you'd have won that comfortably. So you've got to find someone that can help you make that adjustment. Uh, Matthew Skelton asks, thoughts on this interview and how much of a disaster is camp sounded? And then he references Frankie Gavin's exclusive real real reasons for missing the weight. So Frankie Gavin goes over to Bilbao last night to, how do we pronounce it, Lujaraga? Um, the geezer that knocked out Bradley Skeet in two rounds um, in that Bilbao fortress it looked less intimidating last night I don't know what it was I watched your fight this morning but it didn't seem to have like the same rawness you know last time like they had to rush Bradley Skeet to the ring like they were hanging on to each other's shoulders as they were getting there they don't respect the Brits anymore (laughs) now that we've got a deal they're like nah whatever (laughs) yeah and so uh, Frankie Gavin weighs in for this fight Five pounds overweight, five pounds over the welterweight limit of 147. Like, and then that video explains it. So we'll come on to that in a sec. But in the ring, like for a second, let's put to one side all of the weight issues because we're going to come back to that. But in the ring, Frankie Gavin did all right for four rounds, as he's done since he was an amateur. He does okay for four rounds. And actually, he showed that this Lajaraga isn't unstoppable, he isn't a beast. Frankie Gavin was having his own success. We know Frankie Gavin is uh, a fairly soft puncher. 
And so he wasn't... He had those four rounds to try and get rid of him and he, he didn't really get anywhere near to it, to be honest. But he was getting success in close fight and he was landing some lovely hooks to the body. Uppercuts were landing at will. He just he couldn't keep him off. Uh, and then they turned it into a right little scrap towards the end of the, the fourth round. Really nice little toe-to-toe, but Frankie was never going to come out on that. Um, and that, you know, the reason he can't go beyond those four rounds? Lifestyle. Living it. And that's where it comes down to you came in five pounds overweight. So this interview that he's referring to is where... Have you seen it, Terry? So the reasoning behind coming in. On Sunday of last week, he says him and his trainer fell out. And so his trainer said, I'm not going to come over with you. And then uh, it was something to do with having to get a ferry because he couldn't fly and he couldn't train properly on the ferry and the weight wouldn't come off when they get over there. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you've known about this fight for months. This fight had been mandated for months. There's no reason why... Like, Frankie Gavin should be a 140 fighter. It's been said so many times. He should maybe even be a lightweight. There's no reason for him having to lose those last pounds in fight week. This fight's been sat on the table. This should have been his biggest camp ever. It should have been his hardest work ever. He should have turned up in the best ever shape. Instead, he turned up like that. This was an opportunity he didn't really deserve. And he fucked it. Fucked it entirely. So welcome to boxing, people. Where if you can find a sucker somewhere who has enough money, you can get a shot in Bilbao against the guy who's clearly a heavy-handed knockout artist. So I think probably for the last year, various people have tried to engineer some form of title shot for Frankie Gavin and I think amongst wealthy men there's this vanity that almost blinds them to reality everyone believes you know if this happened for Frankie it's the Mario Balotelli factor not necessarily because Balotelli did it at the highest level for a bit like 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 I can understand someone trying to get Balotelli back up to every manager assumes you can get him on the straight and narrow I can be the one to turn him and then yeah, but two years later, he's out the door. Although I'd, I'd put Frankie more in the Adiak and Bai category. <laughs> to be fair, he's he's never he's never reached that pinnacle. And I know Tim Rickson pulled me up and said, "Well, he won the British title." And I'm like, you know, if if you have to tell your kids that your biggest wins are Jason Wellborn, Denton Vassal, and Bradley Skeet, uh, I don't think your kids will respect you. To be fair, and. <laughs> And, and so, so, so for the so personal. So for the last few months, people have been knocking on doors at various governing bodies trying to get Frankie ranked so he can get a shot. IBO, IBF, wherever they've been trying this. He was meant to have that IBO world title fight, wasn't he? And that fell apart. No one wanted to put the money up eventually because it was like this fucking Frankie Gavin. I'm not paying for that because anyone with half a brain knows he. It's not like he's been unlucky in his defeats. Like you know, there's some people you look at and you go. That was just unlucky. You could have fought anyone else that night, you would have won. With Frankie Gavin, you start mate, you're sabotaging your own career. Go back to that IFL interview where Carl Froch said it best. I think almost verbatim, it was what? Frankie Gavin won a world amateur title. Frankie Gavin has done absolutely nothing since. If you remember that, it's about yeah. 15 seconds of vitriol, and then he just walks out the door. And Carl's, Carl didn't even apologize for that. He's like, yeah. <laughs> because it's true. We've, you know. And and this is the bit of boxing I hate, that we, we never have a way of engaging in a, the boxing equivalent of 
no, I won't use that word. I was going to say, oh. no, won't use that word. Okay? <laughs> wow, he's checking himself. It must have been bad. You know it's bad no, look, when Terry we, checks. We, we have no way of cleansing our ranks. No, we, we, there's no way of us going, do you know what, mate? You've had too many chances at this. You're not going to be licensed. Just, just go and do something else. You go and do something else. Boxing will always recycle, whether it's drug cheats, whether it's just guys who are horse shit, whatever. If you can sell a few tickets off their name and you're a promoter, you will do. And that's one of the disgusting elements of our sport. Frankie Gavin should have been told thanks, but no thanks a long time ago. He hasn't taken the sport seriously for a long time. And, you know, if you don't want to take it seriously, fine. Let someone else step in and let's see what they can do. Because what's going to happen to him now? You're just going to... You're going to feed him to Josh Kelly. You're going to feed him to a Chris Congo or someone like that. That's what you're going to do. Or maybe feed him to Echo Esselman for the English or something. You just, he, that's all he is now. He's just a... Uh, like the women I met on Friday. Just just, oh, just, no. just, just, not just, this just a bag of lard in a synthetic outfit. <laughs> that's what he is. Just, just thoroughly unpleasant to be around. Just... Can I ask, do you think generally... Is there too much boxing for the actual appetite in the UK? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit. Look how many... Look, we'll just start with Steve. Look how many shows Steve has. How many of Steve's fighters are any good? A thin sliver of them are any good. They're the ones I'll, I'll give time to. The guys I think have talent, thin sliver. The guys on the way up, thin sliver. They're the guys I'll go and watch. I'll pay to watch. The guys at the top, the guys coming up because I want to see what they do. And there's this trash in the middle. And I know people, I'm, I'm allowed to be honest, but there's this trash in the middle that just exists to generate income or to boost cards or to fill cards. And it's not on Steve to, to have the conversation with these people. They should have the conversation with themselves and go, what am I really doing here? I'm forcing people to pay 30-something pounds to watch me box, but I'm not really that good. And I'm not really that good relative to, you know, what people understand boxing to be. And I, and I wish we could pare this down. And I think the board have a role to play in this as well, where you can't have 120 boxers on your roster because I'm like, you don't have 120 people that are capable of boxing at a high level. There's no, no one has that. You know, so Steve, Errol Johnson, Steve Wood, whoever, Joe Elfid, whatever, all these, all these guys that have these rosters of fighters who are basically just frustrated doormen. And it, it devalues the product because what it says is you're a frustrated 18-year-old who can't box as an amateur. So now you think because some trainer and some fucking fitness gym has told you your style's better suited to the pros, you, walk, you knock on Steve's door, box a bit, right boxing club name, you get signed now. And then all of a sudden, they now realize, we've signed this guy. I don't think he's very mature. I don't think he's physically ready for grown men punching him in the face. What the hell do we do now? When you go back to the question, is there enough appetite for it? I suppose the answer is, is it boxing fans that go to these shows? And it goes back to what the question was earlier about friends yeah. and family. Um, so a lot of shows are reliant upon friends and family to go and buy the tickets to fill the seats. But at the end of the day, if they weren't doing that, then the shows wouldn't be profitable. There wouldn't be shows. And so it's a double-edged sword, really. Well, I mean, you... is, it, is it hardcore boxing fans that turn up to your average small hall show? No, not really. 
they don't really go to any shows because they also don't go to matchroom shows. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so... I suppose equally, if you have... Let's just say for argument's sake, you've got a 2,000-seater arena and you've got 20 boxers, each of whom can sell 500 tickets. And they're all terrible boxers, but they can sell 500 tickets. Well, it'd be foolish to not put on shows to fill that state, fill that arena out, if you can. I'm <laughs> just like... I mean, maybe two thousand too small, but like you, you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, if it's a bi- if it's if it works in a business sense, I suppose it's, it makes sense for it to be on. But it doesn't, from a sporting perspective, it doesn't increase yeah. the specter the specter of the sport. Think about what 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 the model you're describing right now: pay to play. Yeah, effectively, Th- that I is suppose. the only test. Are you able to fund your own adventures in this? You know. How often do we criticise Joe Fournier for that exact thing? Someone very well thought of within boxing and very well educated in boxing said to me once, it's the only sport where you can become professional by signing a bit of paper. It's the only sport where that happens. And he was like, look, there's a risk that if Lionel Messi was a boxing equivalent and he couldn't sell 120 tickets, no one would ever have seen the Lionel Messi of boxing. Like, if he could only sell 10 tickets then he wouldn't have had the career. like Unless he was picked up through the Olympics and what have you. But then you go to the next tier down that isn't quite messy. You go down to like Harry Kane or whatever. May not have made the Olympic squad. Maybe was on the periphery, but dropped out. And if he couldn't sell 120 tickets, we wouldn't have heard of the Harry Kane of boxing. It's a crazy sport. Look, look at a lad like Jordan Granham. Jordan Granham's more talented than most of the guys on the A side. Doesn't sell a ticket. Will make more money on the B, as a B side but he's more talented than most of the other guys. But they sell tickets. That's why I... So, yeah. so when I tell you boxing's bullshit, I'm, I'm not joking. And it's on you guys as fans to say enough is enough. I can be here telling you all this stuff. But as long as you're being suckers and buying tickets to watch these guys who aren't that good, you're buying tickets to watch guys that were, get, that were getting iced in the amateurs and you want to go and see them as pros, like they're not going to get iced in the pros. If you don't want to make a stand, don't complain about the shit you have to watch. Okay, we've got four questions left to try and get through. We've got about 15 minutes in me, T, before we got to shoot. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on uh, the AJ mystery opponent? I, I, oh, so Hearn puts out something the other day saying that they're working on a wild card opponent, potentially, uh, that isn't white or wilder uh, for April <laughs> for AJ. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. <laughs> the biggest surprise that you could possibly make that would be in the away corner in April for Anthony Joshua is Deontay Wilder. Um, That's a fact. He put, and then the, the, it goes on to ask, is it just another publicity stunt to get us talking about AJ so close to Fury possibly. Wilder? I, I'm, I am confident if Dillian White beats Chisora, nothing will stand in the way of that fight happening. The money to be made on that fight is too much um, to be resisted. We uh, say White's improved. Has he improved anywhere near enough to cause AJ problems? Yep. You think so? Mm-hmm. AJ's improved too. I mean, it's the, the counter argument to it. But it's the, the gap is closed. Yeah. But before uh, we... And, be- and that's still Joshua's second hardest fight. Before we move on from this quickly, do you remember a while back when Fury Wilder was announced and Hearn was doing that really scummy thing of like, oh, if it goes ahead, if it goes ahead, and like laying those seeds. 
and then when an interviewer directly asked him, what, do you think it's not going to go ahead? He's like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you could get injured. <laughs> I'm just saying there could be injured. Like planting those seeds, as Terry would call it, anchoring the idea that the fight might not happen. And now we're, what, two weeks out and there's no sign of it not happening whatsoever. Someone go and roll that back out to Hearn because that really fucked me off at the time. Oh, I just every fight might not go ahead. Yeah. And every then, single if fight. If it hadn't, it'd have been, well, I did say, no, you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> but now that it, it, he doesn't mention that anymore. He doesn't talk anymore in terms of, oh, it might not happen. <laughs> like, because nothing's happened to give that impression. It, oh, I didn't like that at the time. Um, it, it grates me. Danny Watley asks... Uh, Shouts out to Danny Watley. Um, I think he had a show this weekend, actually. And it was just good to see him out. He's got his lads that he trains yeah. and he's bringing through. So that, listen, fucking love that, mate. Keep doing it. And hopefully you're going to bring some champions out of Barnsley. Nice one. Um, let's assume Fury beats Wilder. Do you foresee public pressure forcing AJ forcing the AJ fight or do you see her that's assume I think he means a Fury AJ fight do you see her and slash Warren locking horns and keeping AJ away there has been so much public demand for the Wilder fight <laughs> yeah so yeah. much public demand and have we seen that no because public the public want AJ White too at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, Apparently. Unless, unless the public are all going to put a tenner in each, then we have no say about it. It's ultimately what they I, can get away with. I'm absolutely with. convinced that Hearn has basically written the public on a post-it note, stuck it on his mirror, and then just tells himself what he wants to hear in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> goes, the public told me what it wants. So, yeah, I mean, there's been so much outcry for the Wilder fight. We're not seeing the Wilder fight. Now, I don't want to go into the details or the arguments to and from and for and against for why it's not happened, but we haven't seen it. Yeah. And so we're not going to see it in April. I don't give a shit what they say about it. <laughs> and we won't see Fury versus Joshua. Fury said it himself. They won't fight me. I know boxers are always going to say that kind of thing, but... You kind of, you knew with Tyson there was a reasoning behind that. And that probably comes back to the conversations he had with Hearn when he was returning to the sport and how he, you know, because remember Hearn was saying, oh, he wants like four knockover jobs, whereas I wanted to give him like Bell, you white, blah, blah, blah. He's had two fights and now he's fighting like wow. one of the two most dangerous heavyweights on the planet. Right, so if, um, regardless of who, who wins Wilder Fury... Can the other one not put themselves in a mandatory position for the other belts? They absolutely could, yeah. For, against AJ? They could. They'd probably only need one fight to become mandatory. So it could happen? WBO, yeah. most likely. Yeah, it absolutely could happen. So we, we hope for that, basically, don't we? To see some... Because whoever we, drops out of that... <laughs> irrespective of what side you come down on or who you support... We all want to see Fury Wilder and then some... We want to see them all fight but each other. But the fact that if Fury wins then we're going to see Fury Wilder again because it's a one-sided rematch clause within it, possibly two-sided, we don't know, whereby if Fury takes the belt off Wilder, Wilder has the right to rematch him immediately. Ah, okay. So we're not going to see Fury straight away in with Joshua anyway if that happened. Um, okay. Uh, Riku Heikler asks, what is the rationale behind Matrim Italy and Germany? <sighs> because they've got the zone in those... In those areas, those countries... Is it already uh, established, is it? I think so, yeah. I think they've established um, areas for DAZN. So DAZN, presumably, is part of the more holistic deal, have said, you need to put content out in all of our areas, not just America. Why? 
We paid you a billion pounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We paid you a billion pounds. Now go and get me Tony Conquest. I lo- I lo- what? <laughs> Why have I got to do that? It's a random move. I love the idea that they, um, that, that they just went, here's a billion pounds. <laughs> in, <laughs> in 20s. Yeah. And then afterwards they've gone, you're going to put on some decent shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some guys in the, uh, in the works. Just get me Tony Conquest. <laughs> nah, what I really want is Big Baby Miller versus <laughs> Dinu. <laughs> Headlining in Kansas last night. Fuck about. Well, we got we got a question. Oh, have that. we? Brilliant. Um, Rico Agler also asks, "What is the future of the World Boxing Super Series without a TV deal in the UK?" It's fucked. Why? I think we're overestimating ourselves. I genuinely think, like the the energy it had this time last year, has gone a lot within the UK. Now, it's not to say that hasn't picked up in Japan, where there's a huge boxing market with Inuay. Perhaps. It's not to say that it hasn't happened in other countries. Perhaps, but you're not hearing about them putting money up. Because boxing is that sort of sport where if there's a big number anywhere, it will surface. I think maybe we're overestimating what our marketplace is worth, perhaps. And the actually cracking the UK. Because who have we got in it? We've got Josh Taylor, and that's a real shame that it's not picking up over here for Josh. But other than that, like, I can't even remember who we've got in we it. We had Burnett as well, right? Burnett's out, yeah. yeah but, um, but at the time we had We Burnett had Terry Flanagan. Taylor. Terry Flanagan's Flanagan. out. So we're stuck now with Josh Taylor. Yeah. And I feel for Josh, it's not going to progress his career over here. You know, it will progress his career undoubtedly, but he's not getting that exposure that he deserves for it. But I say maybe we're just overplaying what our marketplace is. Okay, final question, and I'm a uh, reference to the big baby Miller. I might have been actually, I didn't quite read this correctly, so it's not directly a question regards it, but I'm sure we can uh, jump off the back of it. <laughs> Senor Tasty asks, This is brilliant. Should Eddie Hearn be investigated by social services as having a child this obese is surely against the law? <laughs> Senor Tasty. He's not submitted one for ages and he comes out with that. Gold. He's been saving it. <laughs> um, no, Big Baby Miller against Dinu. What the fuck was the point in that? They were talking all week about they were going to try and get um, the WBA regular title off of Manuel Char because he um, failed a drugs test. Hearn had given an IFL interview saying, oh, if we can do it, we'll do it. If we can't, we won't worry too much. If there was a world title attached to that fight last night, that would fucking... That would sum up the state of the WBA <laughs> to attach it to that fat fuck Miller. Like, wow. honestly, he, I think Terry chatted to him on Friday night in a bar in London by the sounds of it. It was, it's embarrassing. That was going to be, he's so slow. Like, I'm sure they had to speed up the slow motion replays just to bring it up to a slow motion standard. Um, but he beats this Romanian who's also a fireman or a policeman in his part time who's unbeaten. So that's obviously worth a world title. Um, <laughs> and they fly him over to Kansas. And that show was dog shit, man, in Kansas. You had Gabe Rosado versus... Arius. Okay. Um, you had Hannah Rankin. Hannah Rankin, fair play, went over to America, fought Clarissa Shields, and lost 10 rounds to nil to Clarissa Shields. Um, but wait, can, we, can we just delve deeper into those two fights? So it was interesting, because Gabe Rosado is friends with a good friend of mine, over in Philadelphia, and they were screaming robbery in terms of... You He's know, been saying it all day today, hasn't he? Yeah, but Gabe Rosado, we saw him against Murray. Like, 
that's his level. And I'm not saying that because I don't like him. I like Gabriel Sada. He's one of those old school mindset fighters where he he'll fight anyone. But you know, Lewis Arias, decorated amateur, went head to head with Jacobs in the amateurs when they faced in the pros, was outclassed. You know, that is, that's that's a C team, man. Like, that's the zone C team, but they're masquerading it as an A team. Clarissa Shields, you're in a you're a double Olympic champion. When you won your second gold medal, Hannah Rankin was she was she was turning music sheets over. And you're there in a fight and you can't take her out. Yep. I'd even go so far as to say that you make it three minute rounds, Hannah Rankin stands a better chance. Because if you're ment- if you're not mentally strong enough to take out someone who's inferior to you skill-wise, and probably in terms of physical strength, because Hannah's moving up, I'm worried. And we need to stop with this because her either manager or promoter, Mark Taffet, was there going, this is a great win. And I was like, I beg your pardon? Like, you fought that Alicia Napoleon, whatever her name was, who had untold fights. And now you've got Hannah Rankin, who... I think Hannah's brilliant and what she's doing is brilliant, but Hannah's a novice. Be absolutely clear about this. Hannah Rankin is a novice. She's a novice who gave a very good account of herself. She was outclassed, but she stayed in there and she wasn't without successes, but she is a novice. She got outclassed. She got beaten, but the woman can stop her. Ask me my honest opinion. Women's boxing is fucking dead. As a sport, as a spectacle, as if we're talking about she is the greatest woman of all time, is what she's now labelling herself, levelled with Katie Taylor, tell me the best women's fight you've ever watched in the professionals. Lucia Riker. Any Lucia Riker fight qualifies. Okay. Doesn't involve Katie Taylor. Doesn't involve nope. Clarissa Shields. Lucia Riker runs over all of them. And Stops Lucia Riker's them. doing what? Retired now. She's 50. Okay, but it was doing what? Like, she wasn't able to, to blaze a trail for women in boxing. Well, just as. Well, no, no. So you have to remember, like, women's boxing sort of goes through cycles. Yeah, so Jane Couch did a great job for women's boxing in as, her time. As did Kathy Brown. As did Kathy Brown. But look, as a sport, as a spectacle, if you separated it entirely and said you had to have men's cards and you had to have women's cards, where would that leave it as a sport? Oh, like, yeah. you know, like you have men's and women's football. And look. People probably hate me. Any women listen to this, I accept that. Fucking hate me for it. But I'm just being honest about it. If you had men's and women's cards, like you have men's and women's football matches, it would be disastrous for the sport. It's reliant upon the men's version to prop it up. And that's a horrible thing to say. And that's down to the people that are running it, the people that are promoting it. And actually the top end of the talent pool just isn't good enough for me. And I don't like saying that, but that's where I am. I just, I feel like generally within society, like you, but look, boxing is not one of the main sports in the UK. It's like in terms of like, it's people, fourth, fifth. Yeah. And sixth, maybe even less so when you, when you take into account how many typically, if you go to a boxing show, how many men do you see there proportional to women? You go to a football stadium. Yes, there's a high proportion of men than women, but it's not the same ratio as you see at a boxing uh, a match. You do and see more women at boxing these days. More so, but not. Shouts like, out to Tabs and Terry Ann. But as but, as Terry was saying, what women's boxing needs if it's going to come to a mainstream, well-supported sport is women getting behind it, and women just don't seem to have the appetite f- to watch look, boxing as, it's, it's as thing, much as they it? need it, to. It's this thing like everyone forgets what sports essentially 
the discovery of heroism on a daily basis or weekly basis. We don't go to war as often as we, you know, like we don't, you know, we're not just popping over to France and invading like the old days where you'd have these fictional heroes. Sports, what gives us that? You know, when you watch Ronaldinho highlight videos, right? And you're looking at what Ronaldinho does and you're like, did that no no he he played in a friendly not long ago what? yeah but he's a fat waster no, listen, now listen he could play league one football yeah i'm sure he could be yeah for about 20 minutes a game at best he'd be the frankie I'm, gavin of league one <laughs> no, no, but, but, i'm not saying he can beat me in a in a one-on-one -on -one, but, but as a professional footballer he's look, not exactly world cup singles no, no, into no, double no, no, a paragon no, no, of no, excellence no, but, here's, but here's the point right when you watch his highlight videos and he's doing all those mad skills that he could do right yeah. You're looking at that and you're like, you can barely conceive of doing that yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we that's love... generous as well know, for me. That's why we love Ronaldinho. When you're watching even someone like a Fabio Cannavaro marshalling his defence, controlling the defence, you're like, I can't, I can't do that. And it's the same when you watch Mayweather, shoulder roll, James Tony, Roy Jones Jr. These are guys who are doing stuff that beggars belief because we can all try it and we fail. Clarissa Shields just basically grinding out punches for 10 rounds we can all do that that's boxer size it doesn't give you that hero's thing and and i say that because i need to make a distinction there are women's sports that see women do heroic things simone biles does things that beg a belief serena williams has done things that beg a belief um when florence griffith joined around 10 49 that beggared belief so women are capable of heroism it just seems that in boxing, they're incapable of doing so. So I don't know if they need the three-minute rounds to really empty that tank. And then we start to see the heart, the will, and the spirit show. And then we can go, right, that was a real war. I don't know if that's the answer. But, you know, everyone go back and watch Lucia Riker Because there's a woman. I've, they even put her in a... I remember she did like a Muay Thai fight against a man. And admittedly, she got knocked out. But she was fucking that guy up for a while. And when you see that, you just nod your head and go, we'll probably never see the like of that, of that for a while. T, I'm conscious. I'm going to have to drive you to a train station at breakneck speed. Um, just, just one last thing, just to talk what you said there. There's very few things in sport that make me go, like, that give you that feel. When you see someone doing things that you just couldn't, you, you know, even if I'd have trained to do that since I was three, I wouldn't have been able to do that. That guy is amazing. It fills you with awe. On the flip side, there's... Yes! I didn't know that was no such a great point. <laughs> On the flip side, there's very few things ah. that rile me so much when I see someone in a professional sport who looks like they're stealing a living. You go, oh, fuck's sake, I could do his job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, anyway, sorry that's... about that. Young Harry McNally's just won his fight. So, so one of the guys we've been training since February, man. Just, I mean, just gritted out a real performance there. All six foot eight of him, whatever the fuck he is. Congrats. But no, I'm just happy for him because... You know, six foot eight, straw weight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, before we go, can I just say big shout out to Ellie Scottney. Ellie Scottney just boxed in the world. Oh. She came a cropper, so she won her first fight, lost her second. But if you're going to bank on money for someone to do well for us in Tokyo, I think she's got what it takes at 57 kilos. One of my, genuinely one of my favorite young people in boxing. Like she's as old school as they come, but she can really, really fight. So really amped up for her. Been hearing some good things about Enel Massey. Apparently, weight's looking good. Camp's gone well. So if you were debating whether to come December the 1st, come and see a new interesting face in female boxing. So Nell Massey, I mean, 
if nothing else, she's a character. I think to clarify, I'm not hoping women's boxing does badly. I'm not hoping. No, I didn't that, think it came across like I'm that. I'm not hoping that it, it falls apart. I'm just saying those that are trying to trailblaze for it at the moment aren't doing a good enough job. Not good enough. And I'm happy to embrace the next lot coming through and hope they can do a job. So Anel Massey, December the 1st, she's out of your call, isn't she? I'm happy to see Anel. I've heard good things about her. I hope someone's got some character about them that actually takes them on to that next level as well. Is, um, is Taylor Jones, Linus Jovi still happening? Nope. Taylor Jones got injured, so it's off. Gutting. That gutting. is gutting, yeah. I was really looking Absolutely forward to that. Absolutely gutting. Okay. Um, right. That's it then. Uh, I'm, we don't have any time for any other business. Quickly before Terry stops looking at his phone. Quick. Thank oh, you very much, anyone. So I think, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, but, uh, wait. The intro music. Wait, wait. It's you that I need to get to the train. I don't give I know. a shit. Big shout out to Kate Scott as well, Boxing for Australia. I mean, friend of the show. General friend as well. Yeah, I mean, look, the women's world championship will be quite interesting. I think there's some talent there. I'm surprised when India are winning so many medals, but then I'm also not surprised at the same time. You know, just putting it out. What there. are you suggesting? Uh, just suggesting, you know, <laughs> Excel is very popular. Some in India. Ex- look, there's some extra cumin in the Madras. Oh. <laughs> um, Spicy. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very much for warmly receiving our pod last week. That would be, we got really. It was really good. Pod. Yeah. Now um, thank you. Please keep listening. Keep spreading the word. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, thank you very much for your ears. And if we get week. up to, I mean, if we can double the listenership, Rob said he'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Take care, one and all. This week and always. Goodbye. Watch out! Watch out.